0: Hi everybody and welcome to Read Watch Play. I'm Corinne.
1: I'm Justin. And I'm James.
0: And on this episode we're going to be talking about The Wolf Among Us Season 1, developed by Telltale Games. So The Wolf Among Us is an investigation game which, uh, from my experience with Telltale Games, is all they make. And um, it's all their engine supports. And uh, uh, the game is about Bigby Wolf, who is the Big Bad Wolf from fairy tale lore and in fact all of the fairy tale characters uh are actually illegal immigrants to our realm of reality and they try to live their lives as a sort of separate community from what they call the mundies or the mundane people i imagine it stands for uh and murders happen and bigby who is the sheriff of the community has to solve them
1: so, uh, one thing that I think is worth mentioning is this is, uh, as as with, uh, I think, everything that Telltale does, this is kind of like a, a spinoff of a larger pre-existing property. Uh, the original here being uh, Bill Williams' Fables uh, comic series. Um, before we get, like, into uh, Wolf Among Us specifically, which is all that we're we're really going to talk about, so no fable spoilers, et cetera, here. Um, it, was anyone familiar with Fables before playing this?
0: I am aware it exists, I know what it is, and I knew that The Wolf Among Us was based on it, but I've never actually read any of it. Yeah, exactly the same for me.
1: Alright, so I'm, I am—I really like Fables. Um, I'm not up to date on it, uh, largely because, I guess I should say, I, I really liked Fables. Um, I feel like after it wrapped its first like, real story arc, I don't think it ever quite like found its footing and purpose again after that. Um, but I I like the the Fables comics a lot. Um, so I've got to say, like, coming into this, I was really excited to get, like, a Fables game because it seemed like the kind of thing where... It, it seemed like such, like, a good fit, um, especially for something like Telltale. Um, and I've got to say, I, I think that they... They did a really good job with how they decided to do that. Um, I think the idea of, like, a... Like a heavy... Noir with with a twist. I mean, and like eh, even even there, but like a kind of a noir with a twist detective game starring Big B in the Fables universe. I feel like is exactly what I would want. Like that's that's not necessarily how Fables is. Fables has like a lot going on, but I think that this was a a really fun idea. You know, like right from the get go, and we could talk about what we what we think of like the actual product of that and, like, the the implementation. But I've got to say, I, I was really excited going into this back the first time I played it um, just for what this story was, uh, which I guess is kind of a lead into this. Um, I played this not when it came out, but shortly after it finished. Um, and so for for this round, I just like, kind of watched a, watched a Let's Play of it um, for, uh, kind of as a refresher. Uh, had anyone, had either of you played this before?
2: I had started it. I got it I have one habit with Telltale games. I own almost all of them. I buy the full season pass because I I generally enjoy the experience of most Telltale games. And I usually end up buying the season pass when the first episode releases and playing the first episode and then not touching it again. So with this, I managed to come back when the second episode released and I had played through the first two. And then I never finished it.
0: For me, uh, I actually own The Wolf Among Us. It is the only Telltale game I own. And I, I might only own the first episode. I don't actually know because I played it exactly once and I played about 15 minutes of the first episode. It was during Extra Life, like three or four, probably four, maybe five. It was before I started going to Metatopia because Extra Life is the same weekend. Um, and I played it at roughly hour 23 of being awake, and quickly decided that it was way too much for me to handle and I've never touched it since. However, it is the most telltale game I've ever played on my own.
2: <laughs> the you mean the only? Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do mean the only. I was like I was like the most Telltale I mean I sure. As a descriptor. That is just the most Telltale game I've ever played. No. So we started at the beginning. I just played through the first two episodes again. So we played through this together. Um, I played and Corinne watched.
0: It's the only way I can get through a Telltale game.
2: (laughs) And, uh, and so I just started at the beginning, because I remembered most of the first episode and then basically nothing else, and yeah, that was, that was how we got through it. So what did you think? I enjoyed it, I don't know, I was saying this as we were, like, wrapping up this, uh, this game, that I don't... I, I feel like Telltale really managed to catch like lightning in a bottle, telling a serious story with like the first season of Walking Dead. I think they did a really good job with that one, and I don't not necessarily everybody thinks so, but their comedic stuff I felt like has always has more consistently kind of landed than their dramatic stuff. Um, the uh, Tales from the Borderlands and the old Sam and Max stuff and and that stuff I feel like uh, like Back to the Future like they've managed to do that stuff well pretty consistently, in my opinion, but I don't know. I like. I enjoyed this, but it never really... It never felt like anything all that special, I guess.
0: I thought it was okay to watch. I, I'm generally of the opinion that... Uh, I, I don't really like Telltale Games. For any listener who might not know at this point, I really dislike... Uh, Single-player narrative games. I, I not not to say like I actively hate them, but I personally can't play them. Um, I get very bored. <laughs> so things like watching other people play Telltale games is kind of okay for me because then it becomes kind of like a group activity that I can, you know, I can like talk to whoever's playing and like we can make jokes and stuff, and that that's all generally okay. I thought that uh, I thought that Wolf Among Us was Fairly tight, I guess, from a story perspective. um I liked all the characters. I thought the final episode was a bit. I, I think it didn't quite stick the landing with the final episode.
2: Yeah, I'm kind with you on
0: that. Uh, but everything leading up to it was was certainly interesting. Um, I don't necessarily know if the the mystery aspect of it was handled super great, I guess. I don't know. Uh, A lot of the like, you know, twists seemed a lot more obvious and less like twisty than it felt like they were building up to. Um, But it was overall an enjoyable experience and I, the reason I own The Wolf Among Us is I personally have always had a thing for like werewolf stories. So that was cool.
1: Yeah, I I would generally agree. Um, I remember, I, I feel like one of the big things that I thought coming out of it was that I sort of wished that it had ended up being just like a, a series of Fables comics as opposed to necessarily a Telltale game. Like, I, I liked the story. I liked a lot of the ideas in it. Uh, but I felt like some of the pace, I think some of the, the twist stuff that you were talking about, Corinne, um, might have been helped by just being able to have a slightly different pacing. Um, I know Telltale likes to really, like, end their episodes on, like, that kind of cliffhanger so that you want to come back two, three, four months down the line when the next episode comes out, um, which is the kind of thing where I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that this story always benefited
2: from from that style of pacing, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Um, yeah, I almost wish that, like, it's like a, a thing with episodic TV, right? Like, the cliffhanger has become such a popular mechanic even from episode to episode and then from like when shows are going to take breaks and things like that to make sure people are invested and want to come back and i understand that idea but i almost wish telltale games were made more in the vein of like netflix series where they're generally they don't have that same flow to them because it's they all drop at once and it's assumed you're gonna you're gonna consume them at your own pace Obviously when you're releasing a game in an episodic nature, you can't rely on that same idea, but I feel like there are a lot of people who play Telltale games after the fact. And those the stories end up losing something in that.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um I feel like one of the other things, and this might have applied more to me than it would have to uh YouTube, because I had I have this notion of who Big wolf is as a character. Um I feel like that makes it a bit less fun to play in the Telltale style where you're like making choices, etc. Because in my head Big B is a certain way. So I was doing a lot less like, oh, like what would I do? Or like what would the character that I'm playing do? Where like normally in a Telltale game, early on I'll be like, Okay, uh this character is this thing or that thing, and like make some general choices for how I'm going to play that game. Uh with Bigby, I feel like that ended up being like a bit less fun because I came into it being like, oh, I'm not like making the choice of what Bigby Wolf is like. Bill Willingham made a bunch of choices about what Bigby Wolf is like, and then I made my choices in ways that I felt were in line with the character that I was familiar with reading in comics for years. Um, which is one of the tough things about something like this where they you are playing as a a long-running character, whereas in most of the other things where they're spinning off of something like Walking Dead, like, Lee Everett is not in the comics. Um, so you do get to start with kind of, like, a a clean slate on those, which I, don't, I I think is something that maybe could have benefited this. It would have made it a lot harder to do the, like, noir story. Um, doesn't make sense to do that kind of a story in Fables without you playing as Bigby, but still. Um.
0: Uh, as a question... Do they handle uh did did that feel did you play the Batman games at all and did that feel better? Uh, I've not you played did. the batman
1: games um okay I don't play a lot of telltale stuff uh I do it very occasionally um but I've heard that the Batman ones are good. I would say if I were to play another one it would be uh it would be season one of Batman so
2: um I mean I have played them I can speak to that a little bit I do think they they do a pretty good like you could definitely do things that that feel like they would be out of character because they kind of all, they have this habit of giving you like one option. That's like probably in line with the character that they're trying to create. And one option that's not too far off. And then one option that's just like wildly weird and inconsistent. Um, and they pretty much hit that balance in Batman. Uh, I, I played through the first season playing as a Bruce Wayne and as a Batman that I imagine as somebody who's a fan of the character in the comics. Um, and I mean, I actually kind of enjoyed that. And I think a lot of that comes from my particular attachment to Batman. So what I was thinking was, James, like, on the one hand, you're kind of hamstrung by not being able to develop the character in your own way. But did you get something else out of it by being able to sort of embody Big B, the character, as you know him?
1: Kind of. I mean, like, it was, it was fun, but it was the kind of thing where it felt... I don't know. I, I think a lot of the fun in a Telltale game for me comes from picking those character traits at the outset and then deciding how that character would change in response to the events. Um, but yeah, like I, I, it was still enjoyable. I just felt less like I was enjoying making the choices and more like I was just enjoying following the story. you know. Um, which maybe no, is that. why it led me to feel more like I kind of would have liked this if I just didn't have to deal with the choice-making part because it felt more like a chore at that point. And I guess I again not having played it, I, I do wonder if Batman would work better because there have been so many different writers having so many different takes on Batman, um, like that are not even necessarily like tonally consistent with one another, just cause he's like a long-running character who's been written by a lot of people. Whereas yeah. Big is a long-running character, but not as long-running as Batman, and Big has been written by Willingham and I think a couple other people in spin-offs, but only briefly. Um So I wonder if that even kind of, like, helps that notion of, like, yeah, I could play, like, a super aggressive Batman, and that's in line with certain interpretations of Batman. Or I could play, like, a really, like, thoughtful, quiet Batman, which is in line with other interpretations of Batman.
2: Yeah, you almost... It makes sense. You almost have more agency trying to recreate your idea of Batman because a bunch of people probably have different ideas of
1: Batman. Yeah. But... So none of that is to say that like this doesn't work or that any of the character choices are necessarily out of character for Bigby,
2: except for except for the interactions with TJ at the very very end. We could talk about those after the spoiler break. But... Okay.
1: <laughs> but but yeah. So I mean, I feel like all that said though, I, I do think it was fun. Um, I I would like to see. I, I know there's a season two announced. I'll be curious about that. But yeah, no, I. All that said though, I I feel like I still liked it. You know. I think as with anything in fables, uh they do a very good job of uh mining the kind of it I don't know really getting into some interesting it pulling some interesting characters from folklore and pulling them into this. Um I think some are handled better than others, but uh certainly even just like some of the ideas I think are are cool ones
2: that they bring in. Yeah, I would say I'm with you on that. I mean as not having read fables, but just conceptually,
1: so where do we want to draw the line for spoilers for this? I mean, do we want to just say we'll we'll do it now and we'll go in? Do we want to talk about uh like first episode stuff
2: uh I mean, I think the the thing that makes sense to me for telltale games is to probably talk about like the first episode pre spoiler break if we want to do that at all um. I'm I'm fine calling the spoiler break here and just kind of discussing the game on a general scale.
0: I feel like that might I feel like that might be best. I, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't necessarily know if there's a ton to gain by discussing the first episode, like probably before the twist. Like listeners, the world gets established.
2: The end. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I can't really think of anything specific in the first episode I'd really call out that we haven't already kind of generally talked about.
1: Sounds good. So uh, with that, um, we're going to set up for our spoiler break. Uh, as you might remember from our previous episode, we are going to be doing a couple of very special episodes over over the winter holidays. Um, so those will be coming up in late December and early January. And then after that, we're going to be starting our next topic, which is going to be meddling kids, which is going to start with the novel, Meddling Kids, by never figured out how to pronounce the last name so i'm just gonna keep saying edgar um
2: i'm pretty sure cantero is like a that's you're you are correct
1: cantero all right cool edgar cantero um we are going to be watching season two of stranger things and we are going to be playing oxenfree by night school games got that one right first time let uh yeah and so that's going to be starting up in late january i i believe it's going to be the time frame there Next up is going to be Bloody Chamber, for which uh, Cleo will hopefully be back with us. Um, but for now, we will be talking about spoilers for Season 1 of Telltale Games' Wolf Among Us.
0: Right. So here's something that I just want to say right out the gate. I don't understand how anyone in this community makes any money. <laughs> Everybody in the community either receives all of their money through prostitution or they live in the woodlands and ha- presumably just already have money I, I just I don't understand the economic situation of any of these characters. Everybody's just flat broke all the time and, no, and it seems to be just beyond their capacity to conceive of a way to gain more money that does not involve getting involved in some way in prostitution is that true of the fable series as well?
1: I will say the specifics the specifics of the fable town economy are left vague um, <laughs> however i uh, I would say as a general gist, it seems to be a a borderline feudal society specifically in that it not in like the actual construction of like the 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 political machine but specifically in that you have a handful of fables who managed to escape uh, the homelands with some amount of wealth. Um, this was largely then... It's been a while since I've I've read some of the, the ones where they explain this, so I, I might get a couple things wrong, but I think this is going to be all pretty close at least. Uh, a lot of that wealth was then collected by the new Fable Town government, and it seems that, by and large... Everyone more or less either works for the government and receives some pay from that or um, owns, like, a small business that largely serves almost exclusively the Fable Town community. Um, So no one is doing especially well for themselves except for, like, the government higher-ups. Like, uh, like King Cole seems to generally be doing pretty well for himself. Uh, Bluebeard is generally involved with government. He seems to have maintained i believe a lot of his wealth from the homelands if if i remember right um so a lot of the money moving through the community uh i think came into the monday world as with him um but yeah it's definitely one of the things that is kind of persistently there you've got a handful of characters who are very wealthy in the homelands who have come and they now have uh very little in the monday world or in fabletown um but yeah generally it is a pretty small scale economy that involves like a. Uh, I think like Cinderella has a shoe shop and like it kind of goofy, clever things like that. Um but yeah, it's generally pretty small scale. I wanna say that there's some interaction with the Mundy world, but generally Mundies avoid like the like the few blocks of Upper Manhattan that house Fable Town, uh, because of the the magics set on it. Um so there's not a lot of money coming in from the Mundy world. It's generally this yeah. kind of small pool of money that just sort of goes around in circles within Fable Town.
0: Yes, it was very frustrating <laughs> for me to observe, and also it felt kind of like a weird extended metaphor for illegal immigration.
1: Yeah, I... You're not wrong. It's it, that one's that one's a bit harder, um, just because it is explored in considerably more depth in in the comics. That is that is a that is a long running theme uh, in the comics. That they actually, I think, do a an interesting and nuanced job of uh, of dealing with kind of a mix of illegal immigration slash refugees, but also settlers because they're not like like they just kind of set up their own sovereign nation in a few blocks of Manhattan. Um, so a little bit of a lot of stuff. Um, but then there's also the farm, which has its own sort of thing going on. Um, but yes, though, that notion of being a, a refugee or immigrant from a, another place and largely, uh, not by choice, um, is, is very much a, a theme to that, that early arc of fables.
0: It definitely felt like a lot of people's problems could be solved if just, like, if some people just, like, bit the bullet and started waitressing at a diner somewhere. Like, if they just <laughs> got an actual, real source of income, it felt like things would have been a lot better.
1: I think they hand-wave away uh, difficulties getting jobs in the Mundi world uh, with the notion that, like, they don't have things like birth certificates. Um or like social security numbers, etc.
0: Um, I mean, I, I, I guess, and I get it, yeah. but like they, they, they own property, so like they must have solved this to some degree.
1: I think they own that property um, magically. I my sure. understanding is that uh, it's like it was all done like largely under the table and not non-trivially with like spells.
0: I I can understand that. However, it was as I said before, extremely frustrating yeah. to observe. This was
2: a through line of our entire playthrough. It's just like, periodically, Corinne would lament the money situation as as the plot developed while we were going. It's like, the it crux more... of the
0: entire problem in the, in the society. It's the crux of most people's problems in the entire society is that either nobody can or nobody wants to hold down a simple nine-to-five job that will bring income into this <laughs> closed system.
1: Yeah, it's
0: instead of just passing your cash around between fucking pimps and 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 mafia heads.
1: Yeah, it's um it's the kind of thing that I think uh the game borrows kind of heavily from the the extended hand waving of the comics in order to do some very abbreviated hand waving. Um but yes, you are you are not wrong that uh
0: Everyone's problems could be solved if they got a damn job.
1: I was going to say more that the game doesn't really address the uh, the reasons why this is the case. They they very much just kind of say no, this is just the way it is because noir, I guess.
0: Because yeah. I was a king, and how could I dare work?
1: Uh, honestly, that is several people's argument.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. God, wait. Mad about it now. (laughs) Well, see, the thing...
2: I mean, I I will say, the thing that got... The thing for me that was really annoying about Beauty and Beast, which I know is who you're referencing, Mm. isn't that they didn't want to work. Beauty went out and got a job. She wanted to work. Beast didn't think... Beast had the mentality of, like, you shouldn't be working, I should be working. So he also went out and got a job. But they both got shitty, illicit, crooked man jobs because that's the only thing that they can do if they're not working for the government and it's dumb and weird and stupid but the whole mentality that they have it's not the working thing it's that the we're accustomed to a certain lifestyle and how could we do anything less than that was what made my eyes roll out of my head yeah i this
1: this game is set at an unfortunate point in beauty and beasts story arc um in the greater I think this game has also set Fables an universe.
0: important economic... At, a, at an unfortunate economic reality to which we are all accustomed. <laughs> and to which these assholes sound like whiny little bitches for.
1: Uh, Accurate. Also a long-running theme in the Fables comics. Uh, great,
0: James! <laughs> great!
1: The big difference, though, is that the comics uh, have other characters who have no problems just, like, taking work, etc. And you have to return to our discussion from Shrek, a certain, you know, theme of class struggle. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, the fables comics though, I think do a good job of giving you both sides of that, where you also get like, um, I'm trying to think of a character who's not a spoiler, but, um,
0: we're in the spoilers. Wait, for spoiler for what for
1: fables, the comics,
0: oh, okay.
1: um, uh, I don't. Know, I guess you would say you have it. Let's let's take Bigby for example, where you have a character like Bigby who has no problem taking the sheriff's job, you know, and doing work like that. I don't know, you do have characters who are more accustomed, more willing to just sort of roll with the punches than uh, Beauty and Beast, and that Beauty and Beast are largely characterized as the insufferable royals who just kind of need to fucking get with the program and which
0: yeah. is hilarious because Belle canonically comes to, isn't like a, a wealthy person like she's accustomed to labor exactly yeah. um
1: but so it's it's an interesting thing um it's the kind of story that works a lot better in the long form and in like a much larger ensemble cast is i think just kind of the unfortunate reality of it and i don't think that the game does a great job of giving you the kind of context that makes those characters easier to deal with
0: I don't want you to, I don't want you to feel as though you have to defend the the larger concepts that I didn't have access to against my frustration. I'm just saying that these are things that were present in the game that I particularly found frustrating. And it's humorous to think that if they all opened, like, some some businesses with the Mondays that had access, or that the Mondays would have access to, or got jobs with the Mondays, you know, these problems would be largely solved and there wouldn't their whole community wouldn't be riddled with crime.
1: Oh, yeah. I And I, I don't mean that to uh, try and defend Fables as a whole. It's more that I, I genuinely think that it is a failing of the game that uh, these slices that they pull from the hole end up not... That you end up with characters who do feel it kind of insufferable in that sense and you do create that whole notion of, like, it feels like this problem's not that hard to solve... Um, in a way that the comics, like, do, like, a lot of work to deal with, and that when you just pull that out and don't pull any of the work that the comics do to justify it, I, I genuinely think that it's a failing of the game, Uh, that it doesn't provide that context, and that's why I, I think that that's... I, I very much agree that your response is, like, spot on with, like, what you've been given, and I don't <laughs> think that Telltale does a great job of, like justifying the world they have, they're just like, oh fantastic. We've got a criminal underground. Let's do a noir story. So but yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right that like given the the game is source material, um it does it it does a lot of hand waving for something that I even think does kind of a non trivial amount of
2: hand waving in the first place. To I guess sort of jump around a bit more. The resolution of the mystery and of the overall storyline fell really, really flat to me. Um would you guys agree with that? Yep. Sentiment? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. Um Yeah. Like I just remember we got to so in the fifth episode, right? Pick the fourth episode ends with you like getting to the crooked man's super secret hidden lair. Um and you're sitting with him and all of his, like, underlings. And that's where the fifth episode picks up. And you have this dialogue, this back and forth. And then the quick Man is like, do you want to know who killed them? All right, it was Georgie. And I literally said to Corinne, I was like, that's too easy. Like, obviously there's more to this. And it's just like, no, that literally, it was Georgie. He ordered them to do it. And it's this whole, like, the entirety of the, like, clo- the action that closes the game before you get to, like, the trial, depending on your choices, is just this action of Bigby being like, "No, you did it. Take responsibility." Yeah, I did it, but I'm not going to take responsibility. Just this, all of this nonsense, off of this like super flat like resolution to the mystery. It was, uh, it was so frustrating.
1: It it feels like it's much more interested in um, the uh, what was her name? Uh, faith slash. The lily. Uh, at the end?
2: Uh, Nerissa. Narissa,
1: that's it, thank you. It, it feels like it's much more interested in the faith Narissa reveal than the actual resolution of the story that it's been telling you for the last however many hours.
0: It also feels like it's more interested in getting you to that point where all of your previous interactions, like, pay off than it is in giving you a satisfying <laughs>
2: conclusion. Which, I mean, I feel like is, is like... One of the unfortunate hooks of the telltale games at this point is that everybody has this idea that a certain number of your choices made throughout the story are going to have an impact at the end, and so they almost feel this obligation to do that and it might be hard to to do that effectively in every single game they put out like if if that wasn't their focus here, we might have gotten an ending that was like maybe more satisfying.
0: I don't know I feel like I feel like the way that they did it was the easier way that that came at the expense of a better just conclusion to their narrative whereas I think that there is a more difficult way to do it that would have made a better story Uh, I don't I don't think I could give you a play-by-play of what that would look like necessarily but like I don't know I feel like I feel like there could have been a different way of doing it where you weren't necessarily throwing every character you had interacted with meaningfully into a room together and everybody talked about their feelings. But if if somehow getting information from them or inter- interacting with them was pivotal to, like, getting the crooked man, like, capturing him once and for all, or finding him, or, or something related to that, I, I feel like it might have been more satisfying in that way. But I, I don't know. As it stands, the way that it did play out was... Uh, a bit cheesy and uh didn't it just it just didn't just didn't feel good I guess it felt okay but felt and like I, it could have been better
2: the alternative is like almost even worse right like you end up in the you can make a choice in terms of what car you're going to follow in the fifth episode and my theory that I have not researched but like if you were to follow the the crooked man instead of um Georgia. Georgie and Vivian, that you would go to his lair and have the whole you know, fight with Bloody Mary and apprehend him and all this stuff, and Georgie would die because he was not recovering from the mortal injury that you dealt him, but that Vivian probably wouldn't be dead. And so then what kind of payoff are you going to get in the middle of the, the trial sequence if you end up there if Narissa can't speak up? Is Vivian just a stand-in for Narissa and does she show up, or is that part of it not happen at all and despite your your general ability to to rail against the crooked man are the people going to end up siding with him and that changes the ending in that way and my my initial thought was it would be cool if you like it would be not cool it would be kind of interesting if if the crooked man was the guy who was able to wiggle out of this and just like paint you as the bad guy and just like walk away because it, at least it's not the like good triumphing over evil easily kind of story. But the more I think about it, it's like, even that really isn't all that good. Like, I don't think I would have enjoyed that anymore. I probably would have enjoyed that less because with the way the sequence was playing out, I didn't feel like I actually had the power to influence people's opinions.
1: Yeah. It's one of the tricky things with Telltale games is that I, I I'm going to borrow um, a description that uh, Greg Miller um current kind of funny x ign uh uses a lot where he describes them as like a coloring book where you're like everyone's going to color it in differently but it's that same structure and that structure is pretty fixed um and that ultimately you don't actually have very much control over where the story goes you just kind of have control over how people react to the story um or how people react to you but ultimately the same things are going to happen which i always think is really like apt for the telltale games um But I do think that Wolf Among Us is one of the ones where it doesn't fit super well uh, mainly because I feel like I kind of want I want a bit more involvement in the investigation than the covering book structure allows so like it just like to your point where that notion of like having those those other options I I really don't know what the other options are Um, but I I don't know I, I guess my instinct is that I don't think that it would be that different I guess is the big thing like I in my experience with telltale it's you're going to get to pretty much the same place and the there will be different tinges to it but usually they'll it'll be like oh this character is there instead of that character but they're both going to do basically the same thing like you know it they'll do it differently like one of them will be happy about it the other will be sad about it but they're both going to make sure that this character this other character ends up dying or something like that I don't remember my original playthrough very well, but I, the Let's Play I watched, I think, it was very similar to uh, some of the choices that it sounds like uh, you all made, so I, I don't, like, I don't know the whole tree. But, I don't know. I feel like in an investigation game, I almost want that ability to fail the investigation or to, like, get by by the skin of my teeth a bit more or something like that. I, I'm not really sure. Like, I, I want less of a coloring book, more of, like, an actual, like... I don't know, like, an actual choose-your-own-adventure. Like, you can just not figure out it's the Crooked Man. Like, you can not run into Bloody Mary or something like that. I feel like I want something a bit more different out of an investigation.
2: Yeah, I think it would be—I think part of—a big part of the problem is that Telltale is very much about the, like, serial nature of their games, right? Almost everything they released has had multiple seasons. And so they want to be able to carry the story on into another season, and that becomes endlessly complicated— when you have, a, like, a bevy of end states for your players. Without, like, jumping around and telling, like, anthology-style stories where you don't deal with the previous stuff from the previous season. Like, if we got American Horror Story, a Telltale game. Maybe <laughs> that, that would, would actually be really cool. Better.
0: Press A rapidly to get impregnated by a ghost. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Spoiler um, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I totally understand the technical limitations. And I feel like that's the big thing, is I, I don't I don't even think I would ask for a specifically like a multi-season Telltale game where I have that like branching ability. I feel like it's almost more that it means I don't want that kind of investigative game from Telltale anymore. Um I think is more how I would end that is I, I want that kind of investigative game to be to be a one off, to be not episodic, to be um maybe a bit shorter so you can play through it more times. I mean I I mean God, if you were trapped in some kind of a sinking ship of some sort, that would be really nice. Um maybe <laughs> I mean some sort of room escape element to it, that would be cool. Time travel elements. I that sounds great.
2: Right. Or you could be in like a like a like an yeah, underground bunker, maybe that could I work. Mean, I feel like that's a good sign. Um
0: I was working on ticket number nine 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 yesterday, so it came up at standup, and I feel like that might be perco- might have been percolating in James's. Brain oh
1: no, I just think about evening. nine 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 all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I feel like that really is is the bigger thing for me. Is that um, I when I'm given choice in an investigative game, I almost I, I really feel like I want that ability to fuck it up a bit more, and I just don't think that the Telltale formula really allows for that, and I. I'm not opposed to that i I like the idea of the coloring book style game, uh, but I do wonder if if that kind of actual detective mystery uh is uh, is the right kind of story that fits in in their mold i guess is more what i
2: what I come away wondering you know
0: how many of their games have been detective mystery games
2: i mean it's it's hard like in terms of the actual Concept of the story, like Batman, mm-hmm. uh, Wolf Among Us, like arguably some of the Sam and Max games, but those are played for
1: laughs, you
2: know, like that's not like a a serious case, right? Like, those were definitely invested, like, because I mean, you're playing a, yeah. a pair of detectives, but those are, um, those are for PIs, but the, it, that's that's an excuse for gags, though, yeah, um. But I mean, the thing is, ultimately, the conceit of, like, the gameplay of Telltale Games is Investigation. Like, every single yeah. game. These are the... I think these are the only two that really have, like, explicit detective e storylines. Like, Walking Dead, it's, it's about, like, you know, surviving the zombie apocalypse, as the comics and the TV show are. It's just that you do that by solving adventure, you know, classic point-and-click adventure game-style puzzles to... Get out of situations, and then occasionally quick time events.
0: No wonder yeah. I don't like them so much.
2: Yeah, God, you already dislike single player narrative games, and these are like on rails single player narrative games with some light puzzle solving.
0: God, it's just it's like your anti genre. Like that's all it is. With less player agency.
1: I, I was going to say it's like oh, there's a whole lot also to el-. like. I was like, there's already cell shaded Zelda, and that one was awesome, um, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, cause I would agree, cause even then, like the other ones that I can think of that are like Telltale games, but are, and are vaguely investigative, but are not detective games, right? Like you've got, uh, Tales from the Borderlands, right? Which is like a heist story. Um, like, and I think that ends up working really well, right? Cause a heist is like, a, I don't know. I, I have less, when I'm playing a heist, I don't mind if the heist just kind of happens. Um, but when I'm,
0: you don't want to fail at ice. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't seem fun. But yeah. when it really comes to, like, questions
1: of, oh, like, can you figure out who the murderer is? Like, I want to be the one figuring out who the murderer is. I don't want to just, like, push buttons until Bigby's like, it was you. Or until Bigby gets to someone who just tells you who it is.
2: You know, it... I don't know.
1: I feel like that's less fun.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a point... There's a point in Wolf Among Us where you have two options. And you can choose for Bigby to say, I know who it is. Or you can choose for him to say, I don't know who it is. And I chose, I don't know who it is, because I personally had no real, i like, I was not sure who it was, like, who had done the actual murdering. Like, I was sure that the crooked man was behind everything, right? But, and I wonder now if I had chosen, I know who it is, if it would have been like, duh, it was Georgie, I've already figured it out. I would just be like, oh, okay.
0: We should, we should go back and re-examine that choice. <laughs> Maybe in YouTube format.
1: Yeah. One thing I will say, and it, it's a little bit hard. I, I feel like it, it is kind of difficult to to talk about Wolf Among Us in this sense without, like, also just being talking about fables. But um, I, I do think that the world that it builds is an interesting one. Uh, I agree with uh, Corinne's argument that uh, the world that it builds definitely handwaves away a bunch of economic issues just to make an interesting setting. Um
0: Oh, yeah. I, I like the world. I like the core conceit and everything. It's just made frustrating by these elements.
1: Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, but I, I will say that it certainly is in, in the spirit of our topic, right, of that notion of like that pulling fairy tales into this more modern setting, etc. I think it does a very interesting job and a very good job of doing that, uh, particularly in creating a criminal underground from fairy tale characters. Uh, even just like the notion of pulling like the Jersey Devil and Bloody Mary into it, like uh, they're not really in the Fables comics, as far as I remember. Those are ones that Telltale like thought to bring in, and it's it's a different angle than Willingham usually does. Willingham tends to go much more into like Brothers Grimm kinds of fairy tales, as opposed to uh, like local folklore,
2: like urban legends. And yeah.
1: Um, And I think that idea of pulling from kind of more – like more in some cases American and also just kind of that notion of urban legend and local folklore to create that kind of criminal underground um, I think is really interesting. Uh, I I think it's a very clever idea, and I think that they do – I think the way that they put their spin on that Fables universe um, is something that Telltale I think really does do a good job of in, in this game. Uh, there have been a lot of fable spinoffs. Some have worked better than others. Uh, many of which have just been Bill Willingham doing writing them himself. Um, but I, I think that uh, I don't know who the chief writers on this series overall were. I can check that. Um, I know that they they mix it up. Wolf, yeah, a lot of people. Um, rather than naming everybody, I think everyone who worked on writing Wolf Among Us really did a good job of very cleverly and thoughtfully expanding that fables universe
2: in the ways that they did it. I thought I thought were good.
0: I thought the Jersey Devil looked like too much of an edgelord.
2: Corinne was real. Corinne, as a native New Jerseyan, was very, very mad at what the Jersey Devil looked like once he appeared on screen. Like, we found out the Jersey Devil was going to be in the game when he gets mentioned and we're going to the pawn shop. And it it was several minutes of Corinne just being like... If he doesn't look like this, if he doesn't have this feature, if this isn't, if, if, if he doesn't, it's like, it's just wrong, it's fucked up, they fucked it all up and it's wrong. And then he transforms and is like, are you fucking kidding me?
0: Yeah. I was not, I was not happy. I mean, I guess it's an interesting rendition or whatever, but the Jersey Devil is like a bat-winged, horse-legged, kangaroo, horse-faced monster it it's a stupid. It's the stupidest fucking urban legend monster that you could ever encounter, and I think they made it too good. They made it like they made they gave it too firm of an aesthetic, and I'm mad about it.
1: Yeah, quickly so, googling uh, different interpretations of Jersey Devil. Yeah,
2: that that's fun. Do that. <laughs> Suffice to say, playing Telto games with an audience of Corinne Taylor is pretty great.
0: I am endlessly entertaining. I have a superior and natural wit, I think, <laughs> and I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Yeah, and modest too. Oh yeah, very humble. There's a there's a quote from Ratatouille um, where Colette says, "I hate false modesty. It's just another way to lie." And I truly live my life by those words. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> what else do we want to talk about with the Wolf Among Us? Mm,
2: or do we just I'm end
1: tempted it to end it here. I feel like I don't have a ton else to say that wouldn't be better served in the topic episode, you know?
2: Yeah, because we could talk about the pulling of fairy tale characters into a modern setting and and some of that stuff more generally, but I do feel like safe. Yeah,
1: I feel I feel like that's where that's where I'm at for this. Um
0: I will say one one final thing I want to say is um I I think that one of the things about telltale games I tend not to like is uh, the awkwardness of character interactions that can it's the, the the dialogue choice menu like they do a lot to make it pretty smooth but inevitably there's like weirdness between character interactions a lot of the time yeah but I will say that uh, overall I really enjoyed the the way that Bigby interacted with the cast of characters we got. And I particularly loved Snow White. Like, I mean, I don't... Like, how could you not? She was a great character.
1: I... You might... I don't know. It Snow White is a protagonist in the the Fables comics. She's... She has an interesting arc. But yeah, no. She's, she was well done in this as well. I agree.
2: For half a second, I thought you said antagonist. Oh. And I was <laughs> very interested... <laughs> I still want to read the comics, and I'm still very interested with that. It, the comics are tough. There's a lot of them, uh, and it's one of the longer running. Like it's like this, and like Walking Dead are like super long running. Yeah,
1: but... and I think much like Walking Dead, uh, at a certain point, it becomes more long running than good. Uh, as right. not that those are things that are necessarily in opposition to one another, but I think in this case they are. Um, it very much loses its. I don't know. It loses its bearings and sort of meanders a lot.
0: All stories should end.
1: I agree. Yes. And arguably, Fables is about whether or not stories should end. And characters are believing that their stories should not end. So maybe there's something appropriate to it running forever. But <laughs> still, it, it becomes a lot less fun to read after a certain point. Good to know but
0: In the spirit of stories ending perhaps we should call it for the episode. i
1: don't think there's a better end than that um <laughs> so uh as a reminder next episode is going to be the bloody chamber uh hopefully we'll have cleo back for that and then we will be talking about fairy tales 2.0 broadly as a whole and then we're going to be going into our very special holiday episodes so absolutely come back and join us for those until then thank you so much for listening
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Podcast on Twitter and like us at Facebook.com slash RWPPodcast.